0: Hello and welcome at last to Series 2 of I Wish I Wrote That Song, a podcast where we talk to songwriters and artists about themselves, songwriting and a song they wish they wrote. They'll then play a cover of the song for us at the end of the episode. I'm Keith Wyatt and I'm David Glover. Thanks for all the positive messages that we've received since Series 1. It's humbling to get good feedback and that anyone actually listens to what we have to say. Yeah, thanks so much.
1: with some amazing artists lined up for this series and some other great plans for other I Wish
0: Wrote That Song news later in the year. For the first episode in the new series, we spoke to one of my all-time favorite bands, Peggy Sue, shortly before their UK tour at the end of 2021.
1: They were heading out on tour to promote their 2020 album, Vices. We spoke to Rosa and Katie about pre-rehearsal dinner dates, their collaborations, and of course, the song They Wish They Wrote, a song by Diane Cluck, originally released in 2003.
0: Head over to our website at I, wish I Wrote That Song.co.uk for more episodes and Spotify playlists of the songs featured. Also, send us an email on hello at I, wish I wrote That or message us on Instagram to give us feedback, suggestions for new episodes, and let us know the songs you wish you'd written. Welcome to I Wish I Wrote That Song with Peggy Sue. Peggy Sue, hello. Hello. Hi. Maybe you want to introduce yourselves.
2: Hi, I am Rosa, one half of Peggy Sue. Um, And I am Katie. I am the other half of the band Peggy Sue.
1: What have you both been up to today?
2: Me and Katie have been working on remix of a friend of ours' song. So we've been doing lots of back and forth. I've been recording a few last moments of that vocally because they were a bit shoddy when I did them last night quite late. And then we had quite a long conversation about hotels because we're going on tour and uh, whether or not we like uh, youth hostels. um, And also I think we've sort of nailed that.
0: Is the remix
1: top secret kind (laughs) of?
3: No, absolutely not. We want to talk about it as much as possible. (laughs) 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 It's actually our friend, Ben, uh, Ben Gregory, who plays bass in Peggy Sue at the moment. He performs as Grip Tight. He's doing the classic play twice on tour thing that he is opening for us on lots of the shows on tour and then he's playing in the band. And so we're doing a like tour single swap thing where he's done a cover of our one of our songs in Dreams and we have done a cover of his new single that's coming up, but it is incredibly R&B. It's actually basically the most R&B that we've been for about 12 years um we basically just found an excuse to do an r&b cover so yeah
2: yeah it's 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 interesting because um i definitely floated limited for um for this oh yeah Uh, i don't know if you know that
1: that. it's such a tune though isn't it which is such a tune
2: and i was like when we were floating like what song do you wish we'd written i was like that song always because like how did you get away of writing such a massive banger that's also like somewhat out of
4: tune
2: then on the grip tight cover i snuck in a few really clashy harmonies <laughs> in cases today was kind of Commenting on the fact that it was a bit I, limity I to <laughs> 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 keep on trying to get it in there somewhere. Um,
0: so is it gonna be weird touring an album that you could kind have of released a year or so ago now, I guess?
3: Yeah, I think it is gonna be weird. I think that in some ways it's kind of freeing because we're like out of the album campaign. We've had a real rest and kind of time to see it as something else rather than when you're right in the midst of it and you're worrying about whether it's going okay and all of that stuff so I think it's going to be strange but I think that there's actually there's a lot of negatives obviously especially like we're not entirely sure if anyone knows that they have tickets for the shows that they bought two years ago so we'll see (laughs) but Yeah, there's a lot of positives to it, I think. It's given us quite a nice space to feel really positive about it and kind of a bit healthier or something. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I
0: guess it takes the pressure off that you're just not having to go out and play that album. You can play a set that you're happy with, Mm -hmm. or various albums, I suppose. Yeah, I had tickets for the, the... The gig that was originally meant to be five years ago then got rearranged (laughs) times in the last (laughs) few years, and then finally happened about three months ago. And I on a day when I couldn't come.
2: Oh, uh, (laughs)
4: classic!
2: Sorry, no gigs for no gigs for two years, and then all the gigs happen on one day sort of thing. One thing I will say is I didn't realise the extent to which audiences are really transformational. Because we'd been making this album, Vices, for quite a long time. And then we finally released it in February 2020. And then lockdown happened quite instantly afterwards. And I think I really missed out on that moment that you get to sort of give that music to someone else. Mm -hmm. And what that would have meant at the end of that journey to sort of finally let that music become co-owned and to like have that in a feedback way. So like when you're directly kind of communicating with an audience as opposed to someone listening to it in their bedroom or wherever they may be. And that was really wild. So in lots of ways, it was quite a frustrating experience for quite a long time, not being able to have that exchange and not to have that sort of transformation. But then also it's been really nice now coming back to slowly starting to play shows again and feeling that and um, feeling like letting go of these these tracks. Hmm and what that might like lead to I think has been so I feel I guess as Katie said uh, another aspect of that sort of excitement around having had a bit of time away is that I feel like very joyous mm. about the prospect of playing shows
0: and hopefully it'd be re- reciprocated as well because I'm sure there's loads of people just desperate to see shows
3: yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, it was quite an ecstatic. That I'm sorry to say this, but <laughs> the show that we did. I think it was a lot of people's first show. It was like the first time we'd played any music. It was like a kind of euphoric experience, and like really, like really emotional, really a lot, really just incredibly beautiful and and special for us to play it. And I think that that also has sort of lifted the pressure off of the tour like in some ways that was like everything all in one go and now it felt so possible that we were never going to tour the album or that we weren't going to get to play shows I think in our heads we sort of thought that we weren't going to for a long time so it really feels like a bonus and I sort of feel that way about watching shows like we played Green Man and that felt like ridiculously joyous and like such a bonus
2: yeah, and it's a bit of a like letting go and a reinvention simultaneously. It's mm. like, there you go, have it. <laughs>
0: um, and I was hoping you're going to say it oh, was shit, you didn't make so much. Yeah, it was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Everyone cried, <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> uh, Vices is an amazing album, though, by the way. It's just yeah. such a good album.
3: Oh, thank you. Wow.
0: And Souvenirs is just one of my favourite songs ever.
2: Do you think it sounds like David Bowie, though? No. <laughs> I keep on trying to push it until Sorry.
0: <laughs> no, I <mean>. sorry. <laughs> Was I meant to say One yes? One someone will tell me no. Um. <laughs>
1: Is live where you find most joy? Mm,
3: interesting. It's more immediate, isn't it? But it's. I think yeah. it's. I think it's just heightened. It's either really positive or it's a risk every time you play a show. But I think we get a lot of joy recording. But the process of recording vices was a really long process. It was like really drawn out and stretched out in little pockets of time. We were going through quite a big transformation at that moment. I think we didn't get as much joy from the process of recording vices as some other times where we've kind of gone into a place for a dedicated period of time. Or, Or maybe that's not fair, but we we had moments of joy and, and quite like stressful periods as well. So, and I think with live shows, you're just there and then you play the show and the audience is there. And as Rosa was saying before, you get that kind of feedback from audience members, you get that energy. Um,
1: and the moment's past, doesn't it? The moment's past, so anything that wasn't quite perfect or you just mm-hmm. kind of, yeah. Doesn't it's matter. Over in, it's over in a yeah. blink and it's like that time is there. It's not recorded. It's just.
2: It's shoot. Weirdly, I'm now, I'm now like thinking back a bit because I literally just listened to it, but the um, Charles interview again, where he's talking about doing the Bob Dylan cover, but he's talking about the Johnny Cash, Bob Dylan um, mm. version of... What song was it again? Girl
0: from the North Country.
2: Girl from the North Country, exactly. And, and the rarity of uh, those moments where something recorded is ever kind of unfinished mm. in a way, or it, it is quite a rare thing to not want to over...
3: Like, perfected,
2: it. It's quite a rare thing when something that you listen to exactly is not is not perfected uh, to a greater extent, which is kind of the beauty of demos, yeah. I suppose, and, and lots of, like, what Kate and I used to do, but you always get that live. Like, that is the experience mm. every time you play for a live show. And that is a kind of quite incredible, transitory, never the same, ever-shifting, like, thing to have. Uh, so, yeah, even if you're not enjoying the show, which sometimes does happen know it's gonna be over
4: soon. <laughs> that can be our, our
3: like our, pe- our pep talk for the tour <laughs> should we sell tickets that way <laughs> guys come if you don't like it it'll be over soon <laughs>
4: <laughs> keep a picture of a smile
0: So, are you working on new stuff?
3: Well, we've kind—I don't know—kind of related to the like finding joy thing. We've we we took a, a big break, which I think was really good, and then the last few months we've just kind of done a few weird little projects, like even doing the song for this and working on the cover, and then we put out we're putting out the demos from Vices. There's like a I don't know, like recapturing of like the kind of might as well, Joy, that used to be quite fundamental to Pegasus when we were Pegasus and the Pirates. But um, yeah, we have kind of come back into that space a little bit now, quite tentatively, getting ready for tour. We did a couple of new songs for the show in Islington that we'll probably do on tour. But yeah, I don't know. We've been We've been concentrating on being friends, actually, is the truth, over the last year and a half and then kind of put a little pause on the Pegasus conversation. But it feels really good to be playing and practicing. So I suspect one of us will probably start nagging the other one quite soon, which is usually my job. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see what happens.
2: I think, yeah, it's we've been doing kind of we've we sing together in in uh, deep throat choir and Katie's been doing some demos. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that you can edit it out if Katie says otherwise and I've been sort of doing some um, random in my house recordings over quite a lot of lockdown and some other kind of projects and I think it's been really nice to like me and Katie have been playing together for such a long time Mm -hmm. and it's a really really beautiful thing that we have And, and as Katie said like sometimes because of that we need to focus on our friendship and sometimes we need to focus yeah. on the music and that is like amazing. Um, I don't know that many bands that are still, you know, we hang out very regularly. Like, you know, we are still in the same circle of friends. We're still very much in, in, in yeah. mesh. Like, I'm oh, sorry, this is Therapy. quite, I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, therapy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we've been we, there's music is always really, really present, and what's really, really exciting for both of us. And I think what's exciting is us quite actively trying to find the ways that that's joyful and how we mm. make it together. Yeah, it
1: sounds like a very healthy idea. I know, crazy, right? right?
3: <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah, we have like pre organized. If we're going to have a Peggy Sue practice, we have to like have a meal and ask each other how we are first. Um,
2: <laughs> it's like a marriage, basically. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're
1: basically.
2: That you're yeah. married.
0: Do you write separately or together?
4: Well,
3: it's kind of morphed over the years, but mostly one of us will write the kind of bulk of a song, like um, the core part of it, and then we bring it to each other and develop it from there. But usually a song is one or other person's baby and then kind of comes to life as a Peggy Sue song collaboratively, which is very much how we did Vices, actually. We did quite a lot of, like really nice just hanging out in each other's living rooms and working on what form the song should take and how they would all fit together, which is slightly different to how we had done the other albums, I think, which was more in a loud practice room, just kind of jamming through it.
2: I think also, like, maybe we had to do a bit more of that with Vices, because the previous three albums, we've always gone and recorded in a place. For like, we've gone to, a, we were in New York for the first album, Bristol for the second album, Wales for the third. We quite like specifically took ourselves away to somewhere and dedicated a month or a bit over a month to, to that process. And with Vices, it was quite a like long meandering process like between Berlin and London and friends' houses and studios. And, you know, it was kind of quite a, a, a long journey. So maybe we needed to be more attentive to how those songs meshed mm. together because otherwise they wouldn't have had that.
0: How do you think that affected the album in the end?
2: I would say, song wise, maybe the actual structures, maybe, well, wait to hear what Katie thinks. But I was about to say, sonically, I would say there's like quite a good cohesion to the other albums, but potentially. Like song wise, there's more similarity in yeah vices is a bit
3: more yeah it's like it more they all live in sort of this more of a similar world in a way whereas I think previously yeah sound wise or like sonically the son like the sounds would be what drew the songs on previous albums together a bit more so like acrobats has like got quite a lot of um Rosa's electric guitar sounds like really pulling all those songs together but they're actually kind of disparate they go off in quite different directions and similarly with Choir of Echoes but Vices they are kind of thematically and like structurally linked like they're a bit more simple as song structures. That was something that um, I particularly and kind of brought Rosa along with me, was trying to really like be a bit more immediate with song structures and kind of see if we could do that, like see what happens if you try and kind of hone things into three and a half minute space rather than letting them sprawl out. Yeah, just kind of borrowing more rules from pop, I think was sort of the the aim. Mm.
0: mentioned Deep Throat Choir Mm -hmm. you seem to do a lot of collaborations is that kind of important to keeping your ideas fresh?
2: Yeah it's interesting you I'm going to sort of sidestep your question and then maybe circle back to it a little bit but when Kate and I first started the first thing that we put out into the world were these monthly CDs Um, and we released for a year based on however many people bought them I think we did 100 a month actually and we kind of send them out to have ordered them um, usually three songs sometimes there'd be collaborations with other people if we were on tour we would do joint songs with them so there'd be like six or seven like when we went to South by Southwest there was a whole bunch but there was always a new song an old song and a cover and I think the whole point of that when we started was we were sort of for ourselves those three things were really influential but covers have always been like a really massive part of how we write Mm -hmm. new songs I suppose or like exploration and in that moment it was just like we were recording them in a really basic way and I guess everyone was getting to see that and then we went on and we did the Scorpio Rising which is a you know an album of of covers of the Kenneth Anger kind of do what pop soundtrack and so I think yeah like collaborations and 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 covers have always been massive for how we write Mm -hmm. Or we've always loved doing them and I think we always get something from them as well that we would like then take forwards. So we definitely with Scorpio Rising when we did that, that like massively influenced the way that we then wrote choir of Echoes, I would say.
3: Yeah, we were really, we, I remember, sort of remember us after after Songs of Scorpio Rising. And then when we were making Choir of Echoes, like, I'd say every practice someone would say to someone else in the band, like, oh, you know, like that thing that you did in that cover that we did for Scorpio Rising, like, try and do that again. <laughs> so we were just like, we'd been like trying out, because we, they weren't straight covers and they were quite exploratory. There's something about doing a cover that lets you play around with, bits of your like musicianship that you maybe would be more nervous to do like even doing the Diane Clark cover I mm. think sorry we're jumping ahead and doing the cover of the Grip Tight song it's like a way of singing and harmonizing that we sort of don't let ourselves necessarily do in Pegasus songs always so it in some ways we use covers i think historically across our career we've used covers as a way of being like oh can we push a little bit outside of the boundaries of what we think we're allowed to do? Like what, Pe- what Peggy mm. Sue is at the moment, like how do we get from what Peggy Sue is now to even to back to what Peggy Sue used to be, or like a different version of us. And we sort of, I don't think we ever articulated it this way, but definitely, if you look back across it, that's something that we were doing was being like, okay, we've formulated the sound, like maybe not, we're not stuck, but we want to try something else. But in some ways looking at, other people's songs and working on them in that way lets you experiment, I think.
2: We are learning how to play some, some things via covering these songs, which is what everyone does, I think, a lot mm-hmm. of the time. And so now it's quite interesting coming back to covers, not that we've ever really left them, um, from a position of kind of knowing how to do it. It's much easier now to just look at tabs and be like, oh, right, yeah, this is how we could play it. So then how do we, how do we make it yeah. ours still? like how do we retain it yeah. but bringing it back to <laughs> choir i think
3: that has been such an enriching experience for us in so many ways um like uh, related to peggy sue and unrelated to peggy sue in terms of like personal relationships and just like a wonderful free space and really inspiring so many inspiring women to be around i think particularly deeply Choir's second album is just about to come out and it's been like this unbelievable labor of love for Louisa, who is the leader of the choir and kind of watching her make that has been really inspiring. Obviously loads of other people have been collaborated with her in various ways on it, on like writing songs and in the recording process. I don't think it's as much a straight music influence, but as a kind of project and an inspiration in that way, it definitely is. And also we actually have been talking about doing some covers of the songs on the new choir record, which I imagine will actually mean that if you asked us this after we'd done that, we would be like, yeah, <laughs> 100% it's an inspiration. We worked out how to do it. we And we've been talking about how we would do choir songs as um, Peggy Sue and like what that means. Cause that obviously is lots of voices. So that's quite a fun
2: project. We did a collaboration with them many years ago now, back in 2014, when we were kind of just starting to sing with them really fully, where they came and sang lots of the songs on choir of Echoes. And then Katie and I have both kind of written for them, for it, for us, although it is predominantly Louisa's project, and now also yeah, we're talking about doing covers there's this like quite beautiful symbiosis mm. always of like what you give and what you take into that space and i think that's really beautiful so yeah it's been in many ways really inspiring it's a lot of good people
4: mm.
2: with a lot of mm. different ideas
4: and it's quite beautiful. The
0: in a really divisive world we're living in to actually have something where there's all this collaboration I think is just a really healthy Mm. and Mm. better state Mm. of affairs but
2: also like it's really it's exciting having to like navigate all the different things that brings up as a collective as well you know it's like really cool to be in a group of 30 women and 30 humans some non-binary and yeah work stuff out together and it's real again testament to Louisa who Katie's just speaking about that she's been able to hold that space for a really long time and make us all feel quite free in it
0: so Peggy Sue the podcast is called I Wish I Wrote That Song which song did you wish you wrote?
3: Um, we collectively wish that we wrote Easy To Be Around by Diane Cluck mm. There's this sense of um, when someone expresses a sentiment lyrically and it captures an emotion and you kind of have this feeling of like there's no better way of saying that. And the, the like title, Easy To Be Around, and the way that she uses that phrase in particular, it's so precise and so perfect.
4: No like the whole
3: song, the lyrics are incredibly beautiful, but there's a kind of capturing of this really um, kind of unspecific, relationship this really unspecific dynamic I
1: was really waiting for you to say what you took from it but I would I because I got the relationship thing and I just couldn't find anything specific about it but just yeah
3: there's something yeah it's kind of beautiful and vague in some ways and it and it and I don't think I would ever have the kind of the restraint to like let it stay that kind of ambiguity or that kind of just capturing of a of a mood it captures such a mood it's such a um it just feels so per is so
2: perfect at what it's trying to do I think yeah I really I feel like it really is summing up like the idea of weightlessness Mm. like whether that's about I think in relation like relationally but also um about you as an individual and that idea of which is why it's so beautiful because as Katie says that that line around the easy to be around like you're easy to be around because it's like not even walking beside you. There's something around what you hold and what you're able to carry as a person. And then all the kind of imagery around diamonds mm. and stuff, I think, you know, like mm. wealth and quite complicated history around, around that, uh, it kind of comes in and adds weight to that. But like, yeah, I think the essential thing is, is sort of like, what can, you, what can you carry and what do you put on someone else and what do you not? And what is this idea of ease about being next to someone, which is sort of like, you let yeah. go. I actually love loads of Diane Clark's work, but like this particular album meant a lot for a while, and this song for sure. There's something about the imagery of it. It's sort of like it's a bit like an Alan Garner story. Some of it. It's sort of like fantasy novel or something like what's she doing in the mines (laughs) what's she up to why is she she wandering around the mines i would never write that song i would never write a song about the mines it's like a fairy tale but it's also like and then she just hits you with that like you're easy to be around and it's just so simple and Mm. so precise and so beautiful
3: i also have this um I'm sure that I'm wrong, but I really hope that one day I find out that she wrote it after mm-hmm. watching The Rescuers. Have you guys seen that Disney film <laughs> where there's the kid has yes. to go in the mine and get the diamonds? Like That's my first reference to like diamonds in in mines. And I oh desperately, God, I want her to come out as having that been the main inspiration at some point.
2: How cool is that that you thought it, you like really connect to it being about The Rescuers? And I really connect to this book called like the weird stone of Brising- I can't actually remember the name of it. It was like one of my no, but that's it's so simple like like these people tunnelling through these like caves and it's really childlike. But then there's this really beautiful, very adult kind of sentiment. Which I've definitely tried to rip off quite a few times since but not quite been able to. Um
1: I, I'd, I'd never heard it before.
3: You just snuck that confession in.
1: <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> forgive me. I've rather listened to that song mm. over and over again to kind of get to grips and know it. But yeah, that song is fantastic.
2: It's beautiful, isn't it? That There's another there's another album, song on the album that's also really, really good called All I Bring You Is Love, which is also like beauty. I think there are lots of stuff burnt down when she made that album, I vaguely remember this. It's like from many years ago, I think maybe her apartment burnt down or something burnt down while she was making it. I feel like the whole album is just like her and a slightly mistuned guitar, but maybe there's other stuff on it as well.
1: I think that might be what I, like when I first listened to it it reminded me a bit of Neutral Mm Mock Hotel a bit I think that might be just like the Mm. discard it's like the open strings
3: Mm -hmm. isn't it it's like so freeing that's the kind yeah in the in the aeroplane over the sea it's got so many of those they're just like just like power chords but uh, not power chords like open open string chords and they just ring out and there's like all of those harmonics going on of just like where the instrument is and like that's I think what Diane Clark does a lot
2: yeah, and also, as Katie says, like, I could quite easily believe that that whole album was just like down, like down, detuned to semitone, and I've spent my whole life listening to it being like, what, what is she
3: doing? She <laughs> How did she do it?
0: So, you're going to play Easy To Be Around?
2: <laughs> yeah.
4: in the coal mine picking up diamonds that the miners had left behind 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 and i admired their coal shine simple and bright and a pocket in many in the cavernous night clear when held up to the light you belong to no you belong to no one you are easy to be around you belong to no one you are easy to be around and i scattered them on the ground And the wake of your eyes it decays you despise And because, and because, and because you give it up, you are easy to be around, I like to walk beside you, you're so easy to be around, it's like I'm not even walking beside you, we were rolling till we melted down Now you're easy to be around what you came with makes you easy to be around cause the door remains the same with you so easy to be around but forgetting what our name is in a dance as the sun goes down
3: Actually, we recorded it with Louisa who runs Deep Choir. She has a little studio in her house, where which is where I lived last winter, like took shelter from the world in this lovely house in Leighton last winter. Um so we snuck back in there um last week and recorded this.
2: The thing that's really nice actually is for this we have been playing Katie's very beautiful um acoustic guitar detuned. Mm-hmm to to do this song and I've really missed playing the acoustic guitar. Maybe there'll be more acoustic guitars in the future. I've just been playing electric for like many years and I've really I've loved it. There is something specific about that, like the tone or the quality of that of writing with that, um, I think. Oh, yeah.
0: Thanks for coming on, it's been really brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's
3: been so nice. It has been really lovely. Hi,
4: we're
2: Katie and Rosa from Peggy Sue, and you've been listening to our episode of I Wish I Wrote That Song featuring Easy to Be Around by Dan Clark.
3: The hosts were Keith Wyatt and David Glover. If you have enjoyed the episode, please leave a review with your podcast provider, share it with your friends and shout about it generally, and please keep your eyes and ears peeled for future episodes. Thanks, Thanks for, for
4: listening. listening.
0: In a very divisive I'm not sure you an... understand. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My Siri started talking to me. Our oh, Siri doesn't understand. You're meant to be shut up. Oh <laughs> Siri! Siri doesn't understand. Oh my god! Can you please,
2: can you please keep that in the interview? <laughs> I actually kind of want that to oh be my ringtone. I'm, um,
4: <laughs>
2: I'm not sure I
3: understand.